Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. Welcome back to the study group for the letters from our founding fathers. This is the podcast where TLDR does not apply and the study of history is a way of life every single day of the week. Welcome back to it, everybody. Glad to have you here. I hope you enjoyed the previous episode. And once more, we are going to carry on with letters from Samuel Adams. Brief reminder... The 100th episode is coming up. Still taking suggestions for what we will talk about on the 100th episode. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or go over to Patreon and submit a question, suggestion, whatever, what have you. And I will consider it for the 100th episode. Right now we have one suggestion from a longtime contributor to the study group, Jared. Shout out to you. Thank you for the suggestion. So we'll get to that on the 100th episode. But there's plenty of time for more suggestions, so just uh, keep them coming if there's anything in particular that you want me to talk about. I may have a rant coming, just just a heads up on that. Not about politics or the letters from our founding fathers or current events or anything of the sort. Just a, a bizarre series of events that have transpired. I've been working on this project uh, for, not this podcast, but a different project. I've been working on a project for about a month and a half now, and it has been an odyssey. Like, I, I would never have expected. And I've never quite run into this before in my life. It's like a carnival ride of bizarre events, and I may rant about that at some point, just for fun, if anybody wants to hear it. But on this episode, we'll just talk about Samuel Adams. So why don't we uh, go ahead and segue into that right now without any transitions or anything of the sort. I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, we left off Samuel Adams talking about what was going on between the colonies and Britain. And so we're going to continue from those letters. And I got a letter here that was written from Samuel Adams to a William Checkley. And this was written in Boston on June the 1st of 1774. And this is going to be a lengthy one. And I quote, My dear sir, it was with singular pleasure that I received a letter from you by Mr. Howe, and another since by your worthy townsman. I began to think you had at least entirely forgot me. I sincerely congratulate you on the birth of your daughter, May God preserve her life and make her a blessing in the world. Assure Mrs. Checkley of our kind regards for her. I hope she will enjoy a better state of health than she has had in time past. You have now devolved upon you the weighty cares of a parent. You will perhaps find it difficult to train up the child in the way it should go. In an age of levity, folly, and vice, doubtless you will consider yourself more interested than ever in the struggles of your country for liberty, as you hope your infant will outlive you and share in the event, end quote. Interesting. It's interesting how he says this part, quote, in an age of levity, folly, and vice, end quote. My God, if only he could have lived to see today. I mean, Samuel Adams would probably have a heart attack if he could see the way that we live today. Isn't that an interesting thought, too? I think everybody would universally agree that if the Founding Fathers could see the way that we live today, the way society conducts itself, they would think that we are absolutely bat-snot crazy. Does anybody doubt that, that the Founding Fathers would react that way? And I said it before, I think I said it about Benjamin Franklin, if he could see the way that we conduct ourselves today, especially in government, he would probably be a little bit like Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets 
in his hands, ready to uh, cast fire upon the people who have strayed so far from where they should be. I think Samuel Adams would probably do the same thing. Doesn't that mean, I mean, if we if we agree on that, if most people kind of shrug, even, even if people don't like Samuel Adams, even or whatever, and they don't think there's anything particularly wrong with the way we live today, doesn't that say something about us that we all we can all kind of agree that the Founding Fathers would think that we are insane for living the way that we live today? Why, Roman, whatever do you mean? What are you talking about? I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. But he's, uh, he's writing to uh, this guy here who uh, recently had a child. And I pick out two interesting things he said here. Quote, you will perhaps find it difficult to train up the child in the way it should go, end quote. And that phrase is in quotation marks, to train up the child in the way it should go. Does anybody know where that's from? It's a quote from another book. Does anybody recognize it? That's from the Bible. I believe it's from the book of Proverbs. You find little little things like that, little quotations from the Bible, all over the place in the letters from the, our founding fathers. Just thought I'd point that out. He also says, quote, Doubtless you will consider yourself more interested than ever in the struggles of your country for liberty, as you hope your infant will outlive you and share in the event, end quote. The event being liberty, or the fight for liberty. In other words, he's saying that this father will be more animated toward fighting for liberty because his child will either live in liberty or they will live in tyranny. You parents out there, do you feel the same way? You American parents of today? I know some of you do. But I do know that there's a great many American parents out there that are, as I described previously, just kicking the can down the road, hoping that this uh, country does not turn into a disaster on their watch. But meanwhile, they bleed this country dry and take everything they can from it, leaving nothing for the next generation, potentially. There's a lot of those people out there. And, I'm gonna, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'm not bashful about saying this, those kind of Americans don't give a crap about their children. And they don't give a crap about the next generation, certainly. They definitely don't give a crap about other people's children. By the way, you ever wonder why politicians never seem to have enough? They get elected to public office, they make their millions, somehow, some way, by hook or by crook. They make their millions and then they leave politics, kinda, sorta, or they stick around until they're 95 years old. Why do they stick around so long? Why do they continue to struggle so hard? I mean, they've made millions of dollars, right? Corruption schemes, fraud schemes, lobbyist schemes, etc. Getting their children sweetheart deals for jobs, no-show jobs, no-work jobs, etc. All these millions of dollars, not just for themselves, but their children, but it never seems to be enough. They just, they keep doing it until the day they die. You ever wonder why? Is it because they know that they are bleeding this country dry and taking everything that it has? And they are trying to insulate themselves and their family from the repercussions because they know at some point or another the sky is going to fall because they're making it happen. You ever stop and think maybe that's why they're doing it? Meanwhile, you're struggling. We are all struggling just to carve out some kind of a meager existence for ourselves while these politicians steal the future. But again, you know, all those people who run screaming away from this podcast because I say the political parties are a problem— don't don't try to tell them that because they'll uh they'll get upset. Just a thought, you know, it's just one more of those uh words of wisdom from Roman in case anybody's curious. But Samuel Adams obviously thought different. He thought that they should fight for liberty even more intensely than they had before because when once you think of their posterity, their children, because they're not just fighting for themselves, they're fighting for their children. Very important. Let us continue. Quote, "Your native town which I am persuaded is dear to you, is now suffering the vengeance of a cruel and tyrannical administration. And I can assure you she suffers with dignity 
She scorns to own herself the slave of the haughtiest nation on earth. And rather than submit to the humiliating terms of an edict barbarous beyond precedent, under the most absolute monarchy, I trust she will put the malice of tyranny to the severest trial. It is a conciliatory thought that an empire is rising in America. And will not this 1st of June be remembered at a time, how soon God knows, when it will be in the power of this country amply to revenge its wrongs, end quote. An empire is rising in America, he says. He could see it. Benjamin Franklin, too, referred to it as a rising nation. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but you get the idea. Rising. Both Benjamin Franklin and Samuel Adams felt the same way, apparently. And how right they were. There was truly an empire rising in America. Let's continue. Quote, If Britain by her multiplied oppressions is now accelerating that independency of the colonies which she so much dreads, and which in process of time must take place, who will she have to blame but herself? We live in an important period and have to post and have a post to maintain. To desert, which would be an unpardonable crime and would entail upon us the curses of posterity. The infamous tools of power are holding up the picture of want and misery, but in vain do they think to intimidate us. The virtue of our ancestors inspires us. They were contended with clams and mussels. For my part, I have been wont to converse with poverty, and however disagreeable a companion she may be thought to be by the affluent and luxurious who never were acquainted with her, I can live happily with her, the remainder of my days, if I can thereby contribute to the redemption of my country, end quote. Now, there's a whole group of Americans today that could take a, a lesson from the big guns of the American Revolution, that it would be Samuel Adams. That last part, quote, I have been wont to converse with poverty, and however disagreeable a companion she may be thought to be by the affluent and luxurious who were never acquainted with her, I can live happily with her the remainder of my days, if I can thereby contribute to the redemption of my country, end quote. So this is not a kick-the-can-down-the-road kind of guy. He was willing to suffer in some particular way if only his posterity, his children, and his neighbor's children could enjoy the liberty they worked so hard to maintain. Liberty, not comfort. Liberty, not comfort. America, do you hear me? That is our legacy, he says it right here, and we could say the same thing if we actually had our heads screwed on straight as a society. Quote, the virtue of our ancestors inspires us. End quote. The virtue of our ancestors, ladies and gentlemen. But how can the virtue of our ancestors inspire us if we do not read the letters from our founding fathers? I don't know. The answer is it cannot inspire us unless we read the letters from our founding fathers, which we do. What about the independency of the colonies? The way he writes about this, quote, If Britain by her multiplied oppressions is now accelerating that independency of the colonies, which she so much dreads, end quote. He's basically saying that Britain, by its actions, is increasing the independency of the colonies, the politicians, the parliament, the monarchy. They're driving America towards independence, not because it wants independence, but because it has no choice. Isn't this what tyrants always do? Don't they always drive people away? And then those politicians sit around complaining, oh, these people are rebelling, they're in open rebellion. No, they are not in open rebellion. You are. The politician is in open rebellion. Rebellion against what, somebody might ask. Roman, for Pete's sake, what are they rebelling against? What are these politicians rebelling against? Quote, 
the virtue of our ancestors, end quote. That's what they're rebelling against. Samuel Adams knew that. The virtue of their ancestors inspires the Founding Fathers. It does not inspire the Parliament. The Parliament doesn't give a crap. The Parliament wants power. It wants money. It wants authority. It wants control. All of these things driving the Parliament to start a civil war, as we heard in the previous episode. Let us continue. Quote, Every step he takes seems designed by him to divide us, while the necessary tendency is to unite. Our business is to make Britain share in the miseries which she has unrighteously brought upon us. She will then see the necessity of returning to moderation and justice, end quote. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? A design. A design. Have we heard that word before? Design? Quote, every step he takes seems designed by him to divide us, end quote. Oh my gosh, that's a conspiracy theory, Roman. A design. Conspiracy theory, I tell you. So they will say. A design is a plan. A nefarious plan. A nefarious plan could be called a conspiracy. And, of course, the conspiracy theory reactionaries out there will say that, oh my gosh, conspiracy theory? Don't listen to that. Oh, Samuel Adams seems to think there's a conspiracy here. Quote, every step he takes seems designed by him to divide us, end quote. They're trying to divide. They're trying to conquer, and isn't this always what politicians and tyrants do? They divide and conquer, divide and conquer. Their goal is to divide America, divide the colonies, and conquer them. By the way, America, are you listening to me? Hello, America, can you hear me? Does any of this sound familiar? Why, Roman, whatever do you mean? Are you talking about something specific? What? Me? Roman? Specific? No, never. How dare you, sir? How dare you accuse me of being specific? of talking about something specific. I'm simply asking a question. Am I not allowed to ask questions anymore? How dare you, sir? How dare you? Any of that sound familiar, though, America? I mean, is any of this ringing any bells? All right, well, let's move on to another letter. This letter is going to be written from Samuel Adams to a Christopher Gadsden. This was written in Boston, July the 18th, 1774. We're going to start a little way into this letter, and I quote, South Carolina on this occasion must convince him that the British brothers, each of whom resents an attack upon the rights of one as an attack upon the rights of all. The port bill is followed by two others, one for cutting the charter of this province into shivers, the other to encourage murders by screening them from punishment. What short work these modern politicians make with solemn compacts founded on the faith of kings, end quote. One more time, loud and proud. Quote, What short work these modern politicians make with solemn compacts founded on the faith of kings, end quote. It's talking about the colonial charters, amongst other things. Supposed to be, you know, granted and guaranteed by the king, by the monarchy. These politicians are chopping it up, running it through the shredder. Modern politicians, he says. Modern politicians. Cutting up their... Colonial charter is probably what they viewed most likely to be their constitution in some part. Running it through the shredder. Anything, any of this sound familiar? My gosh, Roman, how dare you say that? Oh, yeah, I know. How should the Americans react in 1774? Well, he tells us, quote, Each of whom resents an attack upon the rights of one as an attack upon the rights of all, end quote. They must be united, just as we must be united today, always. And we have forgotten this. Again, why we need to read the letters from our founding fathers. Haven't we forgotten this? How many times in society do we see it today where one particular group of people may have their First Amendment rights attacked? 
And another group says, I'm fine with that. I hate that group of Americans. Attack the First Amendment. Attack them. Attack them. Attack. Attack their First Amendment rights. They're no friends of ours, so they would say. But whatever happened to an attack upon the rights of one is an attack upon the rights of all. Somebody attacks my fellow, my fellow countrymen's First Amendment rights. That is an attack upon my First Amendment rights. Somebody attacks my countrymen's Second Amendment rights. That's an attack on my Second Amendment rights. That's the way we should feel. But we all too often, we don't feel that way. On both sides, on all sides, we have this problem at times. Listen to Samuel Adams, the father of the American Revolution. Let us continue, quote, The minds of this people can never be reconciled to so fundamental a change of their civil constitution. And I should think that General Gage, allowing that he has but a small share of prudence, will hardly think of risking the horrible effects of civil war by suddenly attempting to force the establishment of a plan of civil government, which must be shocking to all the other colonies, even in the contemplation of it but the more so, as they must consider themselves to be deeply interested in the attempt, I pray God that he may not wantonly exercise the exorbitant power intended to be, if not already put into his hands. If the wrath of man is a little while restrained, it is possible that the united wisdom of the colonies may devise means in a, in a peaceable way, not only for the restoration of their own rights and liberties, but the establishment of harmony with Great Britain which certainly must be the earnest desire of wise and good men, I am, yours affectionately, Samuel Adams, end quote. Quote, the minds of this people can never be reconciled to so fundamental a change of their civil constitution, end quote. When they try to run a constitution through the shredder, ladies and gentlemen, and the parliament and King George III were neither the first and of course we know not the last to try to run a constitution through the shredder. When they try to do this, I would certainly hope that at the very least in America, quote, the minds of this people can never be reconciled to so fundamental a change of their civil constitution, end quote. We should not tolerate any fundamental change to our civil constitution. That First Amendment is sacred, and by sacred right it belongs to us because it was paid for in blood. I've talked to you in, in the last episode, the previous episode, what the price of our freedom is, in part. The price of our freedom is people standing on the Lexington Common getting shot at. The price of our freedom is Americans pushed to the furthest extremity by a tyrannical government chasing a British column back to Boston, shooting at it the whole way there. That's the price of our freedom. That's the price of that First Amendment. That's the price of that Second Amendment. Not to be taken lightly, the politicians use it for toilet paper, and the American people all too often forget what had to happen, what Samuel Adams had to bear witness to, what his children had to bear witness to, what John Adams' children, including John Quincy, had to bear witness to before our civil constitution was fully ratified, before even the Declaration of Independence was fully enforceable. And further, quote, I should think that General Gage, allowing that he has but a small share of prudence, will hardly think of risking the horrible effects of civil war, end quote. He doesn't give a crap. The wheels have already been set in motion. The civil war is being planned. It is being set up. The American colonists are being walked into an ambush. Now, little does the parliament know 
Little does the king know, the American colonists are going to turn the tables on that ambush, and they are going to tear up the British military. Thank God those people were willing to stand up and get shot at, and thank God they were willing to shoot back. Yes, I said it. Who else is going to say it? And on Independence Day in this country, I'll say it to anybody who will listen. I'm not afraid of history, ladies and gentlemen. I am not afraid. And believe me when I tell you this, I know better than most Americans what the price of my freedom was. This inheritance that I received when I was born was not free. It did not come without a price tag. And that price tag, ladies and gentlemen, is rivers of blood. And if after contemplating that and fully understanding it, you don't look at the Bill of Rights and say those rights are sacred, I would say you are either the dumbest human being on the planet or the very walking manifestation of evil in our world. One of the two. There's no middle ground. Take your pick. But civil war is coming in 1775, ladies and gentlemen, and General Gage has no prudence because he's under orders to start the civil war. Or he will be, and he's going to follow those orders. He is going to start the civil war because that's always what was going to happen. And then later, quote, If the wrath of man is a little while restrained, it is possible that the united wisdom of the colonies may devise means in a peaceable way, not only for the restoration of their own rights and liberties, but the establishment of harmony with Great Britain, end quote. The problem is you can't have a peace. You cannot have peace and while a tyranny is preparing for war. And let me ask you something. William Tudor, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and Samuel Adams, every single one of these men saw a civil war coming. They kept talking about it. They, they Each one of them said that the parliament is trying to get the American colonists to react so that, they, so that the parliament and the king have an excuse to start a war. Each one of them said it, and they were right. Riddle me this, America. Would you recognize that if, you, if it was coming? If there was a tyranny somewhere planning to start a war, would you recognize it? William Tudor recognized it. He saw it coming. We know he did because we read the letters. John Adams saw it coming. We know he did because we read the letter. Benjamin Franklin, same thing. Samuel Adams, same thing. They saw it coming. Would you be able to see it coming? And if the answer to that question is no or I don't know, that should scare the crap out of you. Because that means you're going to be caught flat-footed. That means you're going to be caught blindsided. And when you take a long, hard look at your children, that should scare the living crap out of you. Because we have responsibilities, ladies and gentlemen. Like Samuel's, Samuel Adams said this in the previous letter. We read it. This was the letter to William Checkley, and I quote, we live in an important period and have a post to maintain, to desert, which would be an unpardonable crime and would entail upon us the curses of posterity, end quote. We have a post to maintain. As American citizens, when you're born in this country as an American citizen, you have responsibilities. And it's not just get up and go to work in the morning. It's not just put a roof over your kid's head, three hots and a cot. It's not just send them to public school, cross your fingers, and hope for the best. It's a heck of a lot more complicated than that. And if you're not doing it, you're not doing your job. And whenever I say that, I lose about five or six people off the podcast. Oh, and whenever I say American stupid. There, I did it again. Quote, we live in an important period and have a post to maintain. End quote. We always have a post to maintain, even if it's not a quote-unquote important period. Honestly, every period is an important period. And American citizens will always have a post to maintain. Because, again, we received our inheritance. But it was not free. It comes with responsibilities. 
And if we want the next generation to receive their inheritance, that is to say, America, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration, the good system of government the Founding Fathers built for us, if we want them to receive that inheritance, we have a post to maintain. Really hard to do when Americans run screaming away from this podcast with their hands in the air like a 12-year-old child and refuse to study this material. Really difficult. Which is why I appreciate the people who stick around all the more. Great words from Samuel Adams. He's painting a picture for us, isn't he? He's telling us what our responsibilities are. He's telling us what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be vigilant. We're supposed to stay united. We're all in this together as Americans. An attack upon the rights of one is an attack upon the rights of all. Ladies and gentlemen, there may be people I disagree with, but if their First Amendment rights are attacked, they're attacking my First Amendment rights. That's me they're attacking, not just the person I disagree with. They're attacking me and my rights. That's my Bill of Rights. That's your Bill of Rights. It's sacred. We stand united. We all defend it. That's what we should do. Instead of trying to leverage pieces of that against each other. You got people in this country that love to go out and protest. They love to go out and assemble. They love to go out and petition with a bullhorn in the streets. But when they're... When the people they disagree with do the same thing, all of a sudden, oh no, we gotta suspend their First Amendment rights. We gotta attack their First Amendment. We gotta stop that crap. Of course, we'll, we can. You, you might be able to get one side to stop, but the other side won't. That's the problem. Because this 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 cancer of political ideology, this political party cancer that has infested this country almost from the beginning, just continues to grow and grow and grow. And it overwhelms the common sense of the people. It overwhelms their human intelligence. It overwhelms their, abil their ability to logic and reason. And it turns them into dumb animals. Dumb animals loose in the street. So we've got to try to reverse this cancer, this infection. The cancer of disputes, dissensions, and factions. John Adams wrote about that, ladies and gentlemen. He knew, probably better than most people, that this was going to be a problem for us. Quote, If the wrath of man is a little while restrained, it is possible that the united wisdom of the colonies may devise means in a peaceable way, not only for the restoration of their own rights and liberties, but the establishment of harmony with Great Britain. End quote. The wrath of man. The wisdom of the colonists. Unfortunately, the wis wisdom is sometimes compromised by political ideology. Tories versus Whigs, one side versus the other, partisan this and partisan that. We're supposed to be in this together. Whatever our disagreements, we should agree on some fundamental things. The Bill of Rights is sacred. Unfortunately, we can't even seem to do that anymore. Let us read a little bit more from our friend Samuel Adams, the father of the American Revolution. This was a letter written to Andrew Elton Wells, written in Boston on July the 25th of 1774. And I quote, Four regiments are encamped upon our common, while the harbor is blocked up by ships of war. Nothing is suffered to be waterborne in the harbor excepting the wood and provisions brought in to keep us from actually perishing. By such oppressions, the British administration hope to suppress the spirit of liberty in this place. But being encouraged by the glorious supplies that are daily sent to, uh, sent to us, the inhabitants are determined to hold out and appeal to the justice of the colonies and of the world, trusting in God that these things shall be overruled for the establishment of liberty, virtue, and happiness in America. End quote. Quote, these things shall be overruled for the establishment of liberty, virtue, and happiness in America. End quote. And they were. Unfortunately, it took a war to actually make that happen. 
And why was that? Quote, four regiments are encamped upon our common, end quote. Four regiments. The military has been dispatched. Why would you dispatch the military to a peaceful colony, for the most part, where there are some rabble-rousers? Sure. Was there the Boston Tea Party? Sure. Should they have paid for damages? Sure. But to, but to dispatch four regiments and keep them there and continue building a military presence? Of course, we know now the reason for that was to start a war. And why, why were they doing this? Quote, By such oppressions, the British administration hoped to suppress the spirit of liberty in this place. End quote. They want to suppress the spirit of liberty in the colonies. Now, why would they want to do that? Because the spirit of liberty, ladies and gentlemen, is antithetical to the spirit of tyranny. And some people love the spirit of tyranny. I've talked about this before. Some people lust after tyranny. They lust for the tyrant. There is a certain personality in the world, not just in America, but in the world, that has a profound lust and attraction for tyranny. Maybe it's a desire to see other people hurt. They just want to see other people hurt. Anybody. They want to see anybody hurt. In pain. In misery. Certainly the Parliament in 1775 was that way. So anytime you see somebody trying to suppress the spirit of liberty in the United States, then you, you know exactly who you're dealing with. But thank God the Founding Fathers did what they did. Quote, for the establishment of liberty, virtue, and happiness in America, end quote. Thank God for that. In so many ways, Samuel Adams tells us what we need to do. An attack upon the rights of one is an attack upon the rights of all. These tyrants are trying to suppress the spirit of liberty. We must be united. We mustn't accept any fundamental change to our civil constitution. If you want to know what to do, the instruction manual has the answer. So I thank every single one of you for joining me on this episode of the podcast. To get an education from the father of the American Revolution, the founding father of founding fathers, Samuel Adams. An empire is rising in America, he says. What it must have been like to be there at the beginning. What it must have been like to be there watching it happen. But it didn't just happen. It was a lot of really hard work. Before the war, during the war, and after the war. None of this just happened, and nothing about this country was ever handed to anybody on a silver platter back in the day. Nowadays, it seems like people want it to be that way. Receive your inheritance, bleed it dry, suck it dry, and leave nothing but rags and tatters for the next generation. Not on my watch. If I have anything to say about it, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, and every generation thereafter will receive their just American inheritance. And once I'm dead and gone from this earth, then it's their responsibility to keep it. To keep the Republic, if they can. To answer the challenge of Dr. Franklin. But while I'm here, I will help the Founding Fathers reach into the 21st century and get their message out. Just as you do by listening to this podcast and sharing the podcast and then just talking to people about it afterward. Whenever you have the opportunity. Like I've said before, Independence Day is a beautiful opportunity for that. It's a great opportunity for us to talk about why we celebrate Independence Day. Why it's not just another day on the calendar. Why it's not just National Fireworks Day. We might as well call it National Fireworks Day, I feel sometimes. I've said that for years. Because it seems like that's all anybody cares about on Independence Day. But it's more than that. It's about Samuel Adams. It's about John Adams, Dr. Franklin, George Washington, Patrick Henry, Dr. Warren, Thomas Jefferson, and so many others. To whom much is given, much is expected. We all received our American inheritance, now we must keep it. And not just keep it, but sustain it for another 250 years. Because as Samuel Adams said, there is an empire rising in America. 
And if I have anything to say about it, I will not watch that empire that Samuel Adams was talking about falter and collapse as the Roman Empire did, as so many before. America should always be free with liberty and justice clearly enshrined in the Constitution and the Declaration. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? In either case, I want to hear from you. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let me know. Or if you so choose, go over to Patreon and let me know. There's a link in the show notes. It says, uh, support this podcast or support this show or something to that effect. I can't even remember what it says. Let me look. Support the show. And that takes you over to Patreon where you can subscribe. But again, no charge. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let me know. And uh, just a, again, a, a quick reminder, 100th episode is coming up. I really do want to hear from, uh, from folks out there for what they want me to talk about on that episode. Whatever that may be. Uh, if I don't get any more suggestions, then Jared will lead the way with his suggestion. And I'm grateful for that. And then I will, uh, I will fill in the gaps with other content, such as I determine appropriate for that episode. I understand we probably have some new folks joining the podcast, and I thank you for that. Because we have to rebuild our numbers on this podcast after we scared so many people away. People who don't understand that we have a post to maintain, as Samuel Adams said. And I'm grateful for every new person that we have joined the podcast recently. I've seen what I believe to be an increase in numbers coming to join the study group, and I thank you so very much for that. I thank you folks for just wanting to listen to what the Founding Fathers have to say, and specifically the letters that I choose, the letters that I feel are the most important. It takes a little bit of time for me to sift through the letters and find the ones that I really believe have a great message to them. And the fact that you folks spend your time, your valuable time, listening to those letters as I present them is amazing, and I thank you so very much for that. So that will conclude this episode, but thank you again. I hope to see each and every one of you and more on the next episode of this podcast. And until then, this is Roman signing off. Thank you.